1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand deer hunting podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 50, brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear. Today we're getting spring whitetail habitat tips from Jeff Sturgis, so stay tuned. What is up, gang? You are listening to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, and today. We have part two of the DIY Report Habitat mini series that we're doing with Jeff Sturgis, and today we're focusing in on all things that are related to spring habitat. Um, great conversation with Jeff. You know, I really enjoy you know particularly this time of year that we're going to be talking about spring. Um, it's a time, of course, you can kind of get outside. Hopefully, the cold weather has left us by that point, um, and you're able to kind of get your hands in the dirt and kind of. It's it's really for me. You know, spring turkey hunting is is kind of happening close to the same time, at least here, here in PA, it opens a little later than in some states. Uh, But it's, I really kind of start to get the itch again for, for hunting because I'm able to get back outside, enjoy the weather, enjoy the timber uh, and things of that nature, get your hands in the dirt and really start kind of shaping things um, for the upcoming year. You know, so spring is always an exciting time. Um, Speaking of habitat updates uh, or habitat improvements, let's take a quick moment to talk about a few of our partners. Wicked Tree Gear, of course, uh, it's the longest lasting, fastest cutting, toughest tree trimming equipment you've ever used. Simply put the toughest saw on earth. Great, of course, when you're doing any type of habitat improvement that involves cutting. And right now, when you visit WickedTreeGear.com and use the promo code TRUTH, you'll save yourself 20% on any of your wicked purchases. Uh, one of my favorite things to do during the spring, of course, is starting to watch the antler growth from you know the beginning of spring or from mid-spring uh through the summer and you know nothing makes that easier than hanging yourself an exodus uh, outdoor gear and exodus tree or trail camera in the timber um life's a passion pursue it uh these guys are awesome you know i don't you know i don't know that there's a whole lot left to be said for these guys in terms of their the quality of their products and their customer service so just do yourself a favor and visit them at exodusoutdoorgear.com and order a new camera today and use the promo code truth at checkout and save yourself 20 bucks um, and of course, spring is, is that time of year when we're all doing a lot of planning, depending on what your habitat goals are. Um, a lot of folks start their planning in the spring. And if you're doing that this year, you want to take a look at Tecumani Seed. Uh, Tecumseh Seed Company uh, is a is, uh, is a company that's from texas it's it's been used a lot in the south it's extremely drought resistant great product um so no matter if you're in the south the midwest or the north uh, tecumani uh, seed has your food plot needs covered and visit them at tecumani.com and check out their product selector tool to help you pick the right seed for your food plots use the promo code truth at checkout and save yourself 20 percent and one last quick shout out so this was a gentleman by the name of mike Schwarzenberger. uh mike if i i hope i pronounced your name correctly if not my apologies um, but we were going to h- hook up at ata and and things just didn't kind of uh work out for us to run into one another but he is a coffee roaster um and roasts a blend of coffee uh, that is called let me look at this real quick so i make sure I get the name right the the company i think is hemisphere coffee uh, roasters and that's hemisphere roasters.com and he shared a bag of his awaken the hunt hunters blend coffee with both john and i um it was really cool of him to to send it over to us we wanted to hook up with him uh, while we were at ata just to kind of connect and didn't get a chance to and so he mailed it out to us had a chance to try it it's awesome Um, you know, for any of you guys out there that are coffee nuts, kind of like I am, you know, you definitely want to give this, give this a look. And it's of course, you know, um, Hunter approved by Hunter for Hunter. Uh, so it's definitely worth looking into for any of you coffee aficionados out there. And uh, since we do have a little bit of time, and these podcasts are shorter in nature, I did want to take a quick second to ask a favor of everyone listening: if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, we'd be very much appreciative of that. That's helpful to us in terms of you know helping new people find um, find the podcast on iTunes that might be into hunting or in this mini series spe- uh, specifically into habitat updates and so forth. Um, it would help turn more people onto the show, which would be awesome to just kind of grow our community. So, uh, if you could do that for us, that would be very much appreciated. And now without further ado, let's get to the man of the hour, Jeff Sturgis and spring habitat updates. All right, folks, we are live and you're listening to another episode of the Truth from the Stand deer hunting podcast. And we are joined by the one, the only Jeff Sturgis from Whitetail Habitat Solutions uh, for part two of our Habitat DIY report planning or miniseries. Rather, Jeff, how you doing?
0: Uh, doing great. Doing great.
2: Good. Um, So, hey, we won't waste any time here and beat around the bush. We'll just go ahead and jump right in. So we're talking spring habitat planning, and this is probably the time of year that people, you know, oftentimes most – You know, I guess think about uh, their habitat most frequently because it's the time when people are out doing a lot of food plotting and and, and turkey season is just kind of getting started and maybe in some places wrapping up. And so you really start to kind of get the the juices cranking for whitetail season again. So let's just start off by asking you, what type of habitat updates do you prioritize completing or doing during the spring months?
0: Well, I love the springtime of year. And really what I'm looking at is there's a few things. For one, it's chemical control. So if I'm looking for chemical and weed control on either upcoming food plots or um, frost heated switchgrass or switchgrass that I'm going to be drilling in in May or late April, then um, when you get into spring, it's a great time to start practicing chemical control. Um, One of the things that I think is an often missed um, period of time that is a great time to get some forage to the beer herd is that period of time before spring green up. So I'm talking about a lot of times snow is melted and there's not much snow in March. The spring green-up doesn't take place, to, let's say, until mid-April, uh, late April, early May in most areas. And so there's a time there where everything's brown, everything's dead, and clover is not going to wake up until spring green-up. Alfalfa is actually a little bit after that. So you really have nothing. The one thing that covers that is a cereal grain of either winter rye or winter wheat. And so that's an opportunity on a lot of properties. If you're using that as a percentage in your food plots in the fall, it stays green through the winter time. And then as soon as deer uh, enter that post-winter recovery, it's a great period of time for them to hit that winter rye. And as soon as spring green-up takes place, there is an explosion of food everywhere in the north half of the country, and the deer will stop actually eating that winter rye or winter wheat. But that four to six weeks before spring green-up, that food source can be a critical post-winter recovery uh, tool that uh, landowners can use to hit a really needy time in the uh, whitetail woods.
2: Right. And so do you think, I mean, I'm just I'm trying to read the tea leaves here a little bit, but, you know, are, do you think that that green up is the most critical piece for a property to have during this time of year? Or, is, or are there some other things that you think kind of give some competition in terms of priority this time of year?
0: Um, You know, as far as what's important for deer at that time of year, it really, once you hit spring green up, they have they have the, the whole the whole world basically. They have all the food. They have tons of cover. There's no hunting pressure. The temperatures are getting warmer. Um, the energy levels are being refueled, and so they really have a lot of good things going. But as far as timing, though, and what what uh, landowners can do, I really like to focus on that switchgrass, and then at the same time, um, you know, the winter rye, winter wheat. That's something that I think should have it should have as a good percentage in. Your fall food plot program, so that should already be there. And then, lastly, I know we're going to talk about water holes more into the summertime, and I think we should. But this is also a great time to start water holes and digging water holes in. I like using the 110 gallon tank. But um, if you want to talk about that for a little bit, that's this is a really good time to put it in. The ground's soft, getting spring rains, and it's a great time to put a new water hole in and let it let it take shape uh, going into the springtime and into the summer.
2: Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about water holes a little bit here, because this year was the first year that I really had an opportunity to uh, use one. I didn't, it, fortunately, I guess for, for for my back maybe I had a I had a, a a natural water hole in the form of uh, a a spring fed water hole on this uh, new property, so I didn't have to do any digging. It actually oh, nice. it actually drained down into a second water hole, so I actually had two really nice water holes. Um, and I got some great drill camera pictures around the waterhole. So I guess let's talk a little bit about what you know the importance of waterhole, how you like to use those and uh, you know and, and how you feel they they add to a property overall.
0: Well, I love the strategy of waterhole and it's almost like if you have a pond or a river or a creek on your property already, you're kind of missing out on an opportunity to direct traffic in the fall with water. Deer don't necessarily need water on a weekly or you know certainly daily basis even they they pull a lot of the moisture. Uh, needs and requirements through the vegetation that they eat. So you can have deer go through the entire summer for weeks, months at a time without needing to actually take a drink. However, the one the one area that I love using water for is when if you have deer that are bedding dry, meaning no creek, no pond, uh, no water source within their, their bedding areas, then adding water in the form of a small water source on the way to their afternoon food source. It's just a dynamite spot. And a lot of times I'm talking about areas that are maybe even between bedding areas that, that's sometimes inappropriate, but that's the same time. A lot of times where they're between their bedding areas, between the food source. So we might be 100, 150 yards off a of field edge. It ends up being a lot of those times are great cruising locations too, or locations are great cruising locations. And so if you have dry bedding on the way to food, and you can match that up with uh, mature buck cruising time for the rut, then you can have an outstanding spot for a water hole. Now, water hole, you don't need an acre pond. And a lot of times when someone's putting in an acre pond, you're just taking a lot of habitat away um, that you can use for bedding areas, especially on small properties. So my favorite form of water hole right now is a 110 gallon tank. Now there's some that you make with a mini excavator or 20 foot in diameter, have a berm on, on one end and a slope, you know, that's great too. But for a lot of people, that's just not practical, and or they don't have the resources. So I have a lot of 110 gallon tanks. I get mine from actually TSC. They're $75. Uh, so, a fairly cheap option. I actually dig them all the way into the ground below the, the level of the ground so that um, you can collect uh, groundwater and get rain uh, into those water holes. And I, I started out by using half barrels, 27 and a half gallons. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a, that was maybe early 2000s, mid 2000s, and they just don't last long enough. And so, I encourage uh, people if they are going to put water holes in, to really focus on at least 100 or 80 to 100 gallons and larger. And uh, if you're if you're only going to put one in, that's 20, 30, 40. That you know most of the time wouldn't bother with that. So right. they're just going to run out if they're in an active spot. And uh, so, and it, we've also had with those tanks, I've had them stick halfway out of the ground. And when you have deer that come through. That aren't used to those tanks, I've seen them negatively avoid them, um, especially in the high pressure states. When we get down into Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Kentucky, areas where the deer don't have a lot of hunting pressure, that's not as much of a concern where they, they don't really mind those objects. But boy, well, in Wisconsin, I've seen them. Um, avoid them. And even in Michigan, you know, some of the high pressure states where they notice anything
2: out of them. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty, uh, they're pretty cagey here around, around Pennsylvania. That's for, that's for sure. I would probably oh, put yeah. it into the, into the ground, yeah. but you know, uh, is there oh, anything, definitely. is there anything that you're planning or doing in terms of habitat around those, around those water holes to, to make them any more attractive or to have deer kind of congregate around those, or is it just more the strategic placement of them?
0: Um, the strategic placement, but then at the same time, that's a real good question because um, that kind of reminds me that, you know, I would never place a water hole unless it's within bow shot of a, of a tree stand. So they're exceptional for directing traffic during the fall. And if you can't shoot to it from with a bow, then, you know, as an as a big archer now, I do gun hunt, I do muzzle hunter to hunt too, but I, I love uh, bow hunting. And so... You know, in theory, if you have a water hole, it could be pulling gear away from your bow stands. And I want to I want to put in a line of movement with my stand. And that line of movement, um, it's a, around a lot of my water holes, I'm adding a mock scrape. And so I use a lot of vines. I'm hanging that vine down near the mock scrape uh, or near the uh, water hole. water holes are more like springtime for me. And then I'm look, focusing on those mock scrapes more into the summertime. Okay. Great compliment. Nice. Uh, to both, and that helps enhance the movement by the tree stand too.
2: Nice. What? uh now is there anything? You know, I know. You know, in, you can do this in Pennsylvania, of course, but in, in certain places you can't because of uh, some of the. Um, you know, there's a specific CWD hot zone, and unfortunately, my both of my properties are are near. Um, but do you do? You, are you an advocate for any type of you know mineral that you like to put out or anything like that during this time during this time of year?
0: Not a specific mineral. And I've I've talked to a lot of uh, very. Uh, people that are a lot smarter than me and especially when it comes to, uh, wait till deer research and they're, that I haven't found any conclusive evidence where minerals actually, uh, build deer antlers or are that, uh, you know, it's kind of with uh, with people taking minerals. Some people, there are vitamins, uh, you know, there's a lot of different beliefs either way. Bottom line is though, I haven't, I haven't found any, any source that I can think of where it actually hurts deer. Right. Um, so I've, I've used minerals in the, in the spring in Michigan uh, when it was legal, but bottom line, great spot for a trail cam. And so for the summertime trail cam pitchers, that's what I use minerals for. I also use minerals as kind of a belt to hold all the movement together. So you're, you know, you're looking at water holes, mox scrapes, potential mineral, if legal, um, on the way from deer bedding to afternoon food sources. It's just one more aspect of habitat uh, creation and and habitat improvement that you can use to put all the pieces together to move gear from uh, point A to point B. Also, you know whether it's waterhole, mox scrape, or mineral station, all great places for a trail camera to uh, to monitor that movement too. And I and I need to mention in the spring, great time when you're cutting those bedding areas. I'm typically adding, especially if it's all hardwood uh, conifers, at a rate of 75 to 100 per acre in clumps of two to five, scattered randomly within those cuttings, usually in the mm-hmm. form of White pine, white spruce, which are both uh, shade tolerant and uh, and a little bit deer resistant in, in the form of the spruce. So,
2: hmm. interesting. Yeah, we got we got a ton of. Uh... Conifer on this property—it's the one nice thing that I do. Uh, it, well, it's good and it's bad, right? Because I've I've been a I've been a good student of yours, where I've 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 learned it's great for thermal <laughs> cover and it's great for certain applications. But one thing that it's it's not great for is it doesn't really provide much more than that type of thermal cover. So too much of a, a good thing can be bad, I guess, <laughs> with an old cliche. Yes. Um. But yes. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it does have it does have some thermal cover, which is which is nice, um, you know, on, on the specific property. I want to go back for a second oh, and no. just talk and talk about food for a quick second, because I know we talked a little bit about, you know, what you're looking for for uh, spring green up and stuff like that. But I want to I want to kind of talk specifically to that person who maybe has a really small property and maybe maybe he's got he or she has, you know, 20 acres or something like that, you know, where where they're going to be really limited in what they're able to put in. And maybe they found the strategic spot where they want to put a food plot. Say that person is putting a food plot in this spring. Um, you know, what would your recommendation be for if they could only put one food plot in? What would you recommend for them to, to use or how would you recommend they approach it?
0: And this is going to go, it's going to go against the grain a little bit, but uh, on my properties, you're really looking at, now if that person is in a remote setting where there's not a lot of deer, then... Uh, and and you want to build soil, then buckwheat is a great soil builder, and deer also like it, especially in areas that are remote, wooded, wilderness areas, um, there's no competition. Um, And you're using that summer food source that you're going to convert over into the fall to something else to start building and building a herd and establishing a pattern of use on that food plot. But on all my food plots, um, on my three parcels in Wisconsin and a lot of my client properties, um, unless you're putting in the, corn or beans in the spring, then really you're not putting much in, if anything at all. I don't put anything in in the spring mm. uh, because for one, the deer have everything they need. It's a time of plenty in the deer woods. Um, I really want those deer to be out on my neighbor's um, ag fields in the case of uh, ag, an ag location. And then and then there's, there's some other strategies we can discuss in the summer segment. But, um, you know, really, if you want to establish a deer herd, buckwheat is a great option because it grows quickly It can offer a spring food source um and and that would be probably my number one recommendation if you're putting oats rye winter weeds they're not going to eat it until the fall and it needs to be fall planted so if you plant it in spring it's not going to be of any use for food clover is a great spring food source uh, but at the same time again it is a a time of plenty in the deer woods and it'll take clover a good six to eight weeks to really grow appreciably in the spring and into the summer so You're missing a lot of uh, uh, quality feeding opportunity during those uh, four to six weeks, six to eight weeks. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions—that's Wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com/slash Wonder.
2: So, you know, kind of keeping on the, the with the theme of food, you know, I've I've heard you talk in the past about food at the right time, and I think that's one thing that you're kind of you know em- emphasizing here with you know you know having the the buckwheat is the the soil builder, and, and and as we talked about earlier in this segment, really kind of focusing on what that spring green up is going to be, because um, as you mentioned, once spring hits, there's you know deer deer food aplenty plenty is, is is around for them but you know you've talked in the past about food at the right time and to avoid turning a property into a dough factory can you talk a little bit about what that what that means
0: yes yeah and it's and we'll hit that pretty good in the summer segment too but what uh, a dough factory is it's pretty easy to create a dough factory and you do that by applying too much hunting pressure and having great habitat and what i mean by that is those need really thick cover during the summertime for fawning cover, whether it's in the form of, you know, it's high stem count cover. That could be grass, briars, hardwood regeneration, shrubs. Um, Very thick cover could be goldenrod, ragweed, um, overgrown fields, great fawning cover. That cover, a lot of times, is what the deer herd needs in the fall too. So if you have high-quality summer food in the form of, say, soybeans, clover fields, alfalfa, and then you have high stem count habitat, then you can expect great fawning grounds for does. And when you have great fawning grounds, you have a lot of does and fawns, and it's competitive. They're there every summer, and they can literally eat it, eat out of house and home. So when you get into the fall, um, you have a really hard time keeping up with the deer herd that's already there hitting your fall food sources when they're growing. And And we can talk about that later, but I often find that when you offer a huge amount of summer food, you have to double up on the amount of food plots you have in the fall to make the, you know, to offer enough food for the deer to make it through uh, January and February.
1: Right.
0: So because you have that army of does right there waiting, they take it over and does take up space. And so bucks, that's why bucks are last in the field. It's not because they're just sitting back there hundred yards away waiting for the does to go by. It's because they're typically behind the does and fawns. And if you don't have enough room to hold those spawns adequate cover close to those food sources and then room for box behind them, you're just not gonna have any room left over for box that yeah. at least box to focus on your your food sources every single day. So right. very easy for those to take up space and uh and there's a lot of reasons for that too.
2: Yeah, I mean I think that that's you know one thing that I've learned on one of our properties is, you know, that we made a mistake when we put the first food plot in and we were inexperienced at that point. And you know, it, it turned into exactly what you're saying, a, d- a dough factory. And it's fortunately that field's getting ready to roll over again, cause it was a perennial. Um, and so mm-hmm. now we're looking at more of the approach of what you're talking about is that we have to be mindful about what we put in there because we want to make sure that we're getting, you know, like as you know, the quote I kind of stole from you, making sure that we have the right food at the right time. It's like, sure. We want some stuff during green up. But I don't want the property necessarily to hold a hold a ton of does. I want there to be enough there that the, the the deer that are living on the property get what they need. But that I'm not pulling deer off of every other property around me at that time. But once we get into the fall season, I want to make sure that I've got the right food for that time of year. That way, the deer that I am holding aren't necessarily leaving, um, or have to leave to yeah. find to find food. You know, and I think a lot of that, and I've heard you talk about this as well, is taking into consideration what you have in your neighborhood. You know, what what does the neighbor have versus what do I have. You know, when are the deer going to be most adequately supported on his property or his or her property versus my property, what time of year is each of our properties best and making sure you're kind of balancing those things, especially if you're going to, you know, if your plant season is in the spring, if you're doing it right now, it's like, that's one one of the things you want to think about is how, how are you managing that? Not just this year, especially if you're doing a perennial, but how's it going to impact you, you know, years to come. So, um, I think there's some good, some good food for thought, but, um, just, yeah, Go ahead. What's that? Oh, I was
0: just gonna say that one of of the things with critical food at critical times is it's not always about offering a 10 as a food source, it's offering something that is different than the local habitat. So offering say alfalfa in the middle of summer or early early summer when that local habitat's a 10 and your food source is a 10, there's not really much of a difference in what you're offering. Mm -hmm. Now offering rye that might be a five or six on the scale of food plotting at a time when the local habitat is zero, is really making a difference. You're a plus five or six if you look at it that way, as opposed to offering um, a great food source at a time when your habitat's already at its peak for the year.
2: Right. No, so, really
0: thinking about that, you know, the yeah. critical timing you know, of what the deer actually, you know, and when.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's there's a, there's a lot to take in other than just throwing seed in the ground. <laughs> and I think a lot, I think that's why, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I wanted to wanted to do the mini series here with with this is because i think a lot of folks especially if they're just starting out that's i think that's you know their first approach because it can sometimes get a little overwhelming and hopefully we're shedding some light on just some you know decisions that you can make during the different times of year to help you have some some better success and set, set yourself up for for less heartache and, and backache maybe down the line um but to wrap up the uh the spring and habitat planning section jeff why don't you go ahead and give us the jeff sturgis tips for assessing spring plant uh planning and habitat for the spring
0: We'd really like to see uh, um, people have those um, those spring green food sources uh, right before spring green-up. So once just keep in mind, once spring green-up green up hits, uh, the deer have everything they need. Now, at that time, before spring green-up and at spring green-up, I love putting in my water holes. These, it get them into the ground. A lot of times, you get the benefits of, of rainfall. Uh, great time to control your weeds for future food plots or start controlling or... Um, hopefully, um, June germinating, uh, switchgrass. So it's a great time to start spraying whether it's simazine in March or your first roundup application in April sometime. And, um, so the green food sources, the chemicals, water holes, all great aspects. And then of course, tree planting. So really good time to, if you've created some cuttings, you want to diversify your hardwood cuttings to get those conifers in there at a rate of 75 to a hundred per acre and clumps and Really trying to change the diversity within your hardwood settings. Uh and uh so good time to add diversity, meet some green food sources, get some water holes going, and uh and get your chemicals started.
2: All right. Awesome. Well guys, you you heard it here, uh the Jeff Sturgis three tips for spring planning. Thanks for coming on, buddy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me again, Clint. Love love uh being a part of this series.
2: All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank Jeff for joining us again this week uh, for the spring habitat updates. If you haven't yet, make sure to head over to whitetailhabitatsolutions.com and check Jeff out and make sure to follow him also. On all of his social media platforms, great follow, great content, and uh, you won't be disappointed. Also, want to give a big thank you to all of you for listening. And as I'd mentioned in the upfront, if you wouldn't, uh, if you would have a few extra minutes, if it wouldn't be too much to ask, uh, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five star rating. And also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast that way. You make sure to receive each podcast as it releases on your mobile devices. And before we shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible: Wicked Tree Gear, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Tecumani Seed, Glacier Coolers, Ramcat Broadheads, and Trophy Taker Rests. And until next time, we'll see y'all
1: special knowing the colorful image tapes, broken letters the lights self in numbers but I gotta do.